This is Perfectly Not Normal, a storytelling podcast by Epi and Michaela. We are both university students with no life experience, talking as if we do have experience. We both study multimedia, so it's in our nature to create content and share it among others. Storytelling is our passion. So in each episode, we invite interesting people with interesting stories. We just wrapped up season one, so welcome to season two of Perfectly Not Normal. Welcome back to Perfectly Not Normal, a podcast with Evie and Michaela. We have a very special guest in the studio. She is a freshman at our university with us, and I absolutely adore her. She's so great. She's going to introduce herself in a second, but we have some great stories from her about adoption, like what that means to her and like her story of adoption, and then also like her major and like how that applies to her adoption. Mm, like how it influences her? Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Excited. So she's going to introduce herself. She's going to say her name, her major, and her seventh favorite. <laughs> We're like <laughs> thinking. Um, her set, let's see. Her seventh favorite flower. Flower. Hi, I'm Grace. I am a social work and psychology major. And seventh favorite flower. My seventh favorite flower is probably a daisy because they're like fun and like they're a wild flower, but they're not elegant like some of the other flowers. Tea. That's good. I like that. I agree. So, Grace, we don't know each other. But I've heard that you have a really cool story to share with us regarding your adoption as yeah. well as why you are in your major right now, which you said social work and how that involves your past. So I'm really excited to dive in into this story. You want to begin wherever you want to begin? Yeah. Well, yeah. I hope you guys find it interesting <laughs> and maybe educational. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I am adopted the big thing. Um, my parents had been married for like over 10 years and hadn't had kids and they decided, you know what, we're going to adopt. They decided that and applied for adoption and nine months later I was born. They adopted me through this service called Bethany Christian Agency, which is a Christian agency that deals mm -hmm. with fostering and adoption. And I was adopted from two 17, 18-year-olds who were in high school and knew they weren't ready to be parents. Um, my birth mom, one, once she found out she was pregnant, she decided that she couldn't keep me, so she was going to give me up for adoption. And she found this agency, um, worked with them, and basically got this big binder full of families that were potential adoptive parents. And she just got to look through, read, see their first names, you know, if they had any other kids, pets, and kind of their testimony, because it is a Christian agency. Mm -hmm. So if you're adopting, you kind of have to be Christian. And most of the, I, well, my birth mom was Christian. Mm -hmm. And so that's why she decided to go through there. And so she got this big binder full of parents and got to look through. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> she got to look through and read about them and see their picture and just decide from there. 
And I have a relationship with her. I have what's called an open adoption, which basically just means that the adoptive parents aren't taking all like visitation rights away from the birth parents. Mm -hmm. So if she says, hey, like, can I just come visit the person I gave birth to? then um, they can like set it up and my parents don't have to do anything and she doesn't have to reach out. But we have the opportunity of knowing each other and I know information about her and can learn about her versus a closed adoption, which basically the birth parents and the adoptive parents don't know anything about each other. The birth parents don't stay in touch with the adoptive parents. And those are the cases when kids like go searching for their birth parents and don't know anything. But with an adoption or an open adoption case, you have the opportunity to connect. Yeah. I know my birth mom. I call her by her first name, which is Megan. And we see each other maybe once a year for lunch or dinner and less often now that I'm older. And one of the things she did for me, um, a couple weeks after I was born, she wrote me this letter and had to put together this photo album of baby pictures of her and my birth dad through their ages when they had me, so through high school, and had given this to my parents to give to me when I was older, whenever they felt like it. And they gave it to me for my high school graduation. And so I got to read this really raw emotional letter that a 17 year old had written two weeks after giving birth and giving up her child. And that she had told me, you know, how hard it was, how she had thought she was ready for a sexual relationship and found out like, not at all. And She had never thought about aborting me, which was really reassuring for me to hear because I had always respected her growing up. I knew her. I like knew the sacrifice she had made for me, but I had never known what she had actually considered. And so I got to learn that she had always kind of had adoption being the first option for her because she wanted a good life for me. And she also wrote about when she saw my parents in this big book. And she's like, they were all such good people, all Christian. She's like, she could have picked any of them and would have felt good about it. And so she kind of just took a week or two and just really prayed about it. And so in this letter, she wrote to me that God just really put this picture of my parents in the front of her mind. And so she chose them and the agency contacted them and they got to meet And that started the process of my parents becoming my parents. And so they started getting, you know, my nursery ready, telling the family, doing all that sorts of stuff. And that was, I was born in November. So that's probably in, I want to say early August when that had to have like really started happening. And my mom's listening and she could probably tell me otherwise. <laughs> You're like, actually? <laughs> yeah. But my birth mom was scheduled to be induced. So um, she went to the hospital. My parents were there. Um, she was from about an hour away from where my parents were from. So they went down and stayed in a hotel. And I was born really early in the morning. So she must have been induced the evening before. <laughs> been like 12 hours or something. Yeah. 
and my adoptive parents came in the next day and got to hold me and as soon as my birth mom and I were released from the hospital I was my parents um, theirs were the only names on my birth certificate and then you kind of finish up the legal stuff from there with right after I was born my birth parents had to sign away their rights to me which if they don't do that then they could come later on and say hey you took our kid so hey. no one wants that of course. yeah gives a real awkward situation like wait whose kid is this oh my gosh yeah, yeah. and um one of the things i really enjoy is harry potter mm -hmm. and so it's kind of a little family joke i guess that i was just destined to like harry potter uh -huh. because while my birth mom was giving birth to me at the hospital my adoptive parents were in the movie theater watching the first harry potter movie no way. <laughs> yeah wow. so it's real fun to like, tell I people my birth. i was watching I was watching harry potter's yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's real fun for me to say yeah my parents were watching harry potter while i was born <laughs> you know okay this is like a little off track but we're gonna get back into it you know the phineas and ferb episode do you guys watch phineas and ferb at all yeah do you guys remember that episode where doofenshmirtz is like He's like telling yes. his tragic stories like my own parents didn't even show up for my birth. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yes. That's literally what just happened. That, that's, that's it. <laughs> that's so oh, funny. That's it. That's so wow. funny. Yeah. So my parents got to take me home, do all the stuff you so, normally do with a baby, except for obviously breastfeeding. Yeah. <laughs> they took you home like right right away after you were yeah, released like, from the hospital. Mm, okay. Which is Did they let you days. know uh, that you were adopted? as soon as you were yes. able to understand i don't have a memory of being told i was adopted so i must have been really young then. i just have always 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 known interesting and so we started the visits with my birth mom when i was like really little so um she would we would visit every every fall around my birthday and so we would like when i was really young we'd go to the park or um usually the park actually <laughs> yeah. and um different stuff like that so we have all these pictures of us together and then that became a yearly thing and so i just always knew as like yes this is megan this is my birth mom like i knew that was separate from my mom i knew who she was i knew she had given birth to me i didn't know that that wasn't normal yeah. it was just, that's crazy yeah. like you didn't know like oh yeah that's that's a normal thing for me but other people are like Whoa. yeah like, like i kn i knew that other people were adopted like i knew that being adopted was like different mm -hmm. but i also knew that my mom was always my mom but that someone else had like been pregnant with me but i like i just always kind of knew and it was really really great and i had these other people that were my family that i respected and loved and knew loved me and hey i get more birthday and christmas presents <laughs> that's true that's true yeah Thanks. so you know i'll take it and then my sister i have a little sister she's four years younger than me and she is also adopted through the same agency pretty much the same story except for um her birth mom situation was a little different the only difference was her they found out about her later so they didn't get a 
take her home until after she was two weeks old instead of right away. Then so we've both always known. I've had more contact with my birth mom than she has with hers, but more face-to-face contact. Yeah. She's had like more letter contact. Okay. And so the, our whole family would go once my sister was born to meet with my birth mom. And once she, you know, graduated, well, I guess I don't know when she graduated from college. She did. Don't really know when. <laughs> she got married and I don't know at what point he, she told him about me, but he's always known me. I knew when she got married. And so whenever we would do our visits with our whole family, he would be there and we would go to their house. And then they have two kids. And so the whole fam, our whole family, their whole family, we would all go. And I'd be like, yes, these are my siblings, but kind of not. not really. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And it was just normal to me. And they were babies, so they really couldn't know. They were so adorable, so much fun. And... We just like really got to have a special day whenever that would happen. And once my sibling, half siblings and I, we all got a little older and that's when we stopped doing the whole visit, the visit with our whole families. And now when I go, it's just me and my mom and her and we like, we'll go out to lunch, go shopping, maybe Mm -hmm. to a bookstore. And I know it's really hard for her and like, how would you be able to understand as a 10, 11 year old that your mom had had another baby that was your sibling, but wasn't your sibling that you've met, but you don't know? Yeah. I'm sure they don't know me. They don't know who I am. They've met me, but they were so little. Mm, right. They don't um, know. Up to I'm, this point, they they probably don't know. No. Wow. Uh, the younger ones, Somewhere I want to say the older ones, like 10 ish. Okay. And the younger ones, a couple years younger than him. Okay. Okay. So a boy and then a girl. And so they're just really too young to know me. And I'm confident with the amount of um, connection that my birth mom's kept with me that she'll tell them at some point when they're much older and can comprehend all the complexities in it. And then they come looking for me and have questions. I'll happily talk to them about it. Yeah. But my birth dad... I had limited contact with when I was really, really young. Like he would write letters. I never remember meeting him. The last time he sent me something, I was like four and he wrote me a poem. And I don't know where that is. I haven't seen it. Mm. So it's probably in our attic somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And now we know, this is is the fun tea. Okay, Um, yes. (laughs) My birth mom's kids go to the same school my birth dad's kids go to because it's like the same area they went to school in and she knows but he doesn't know whoa that's tea yeah (laughs) oh my gosh so I had met with her and she just asked me if I'd had contact with him like how much I knew him I said like no not since I was like an infant and Mm -hmm. she's like oh I would have definitely guessed that he would have stayed in contact he was so caring and come to find out he got married like right after he stopped contacting me whoa I personally think that his wife wasn't cool with it but you know I understand like it's okay okay but he's got like four kids Okay. And so they go to school with my birth mom's kids. She has a friend who's a photographer who got their family photo. Like she 
my birth mom's friends was right. my birth dad's family's photographer. photographer. Yeah. Okay. She, my birth mom asked her friend for a picture <gasps> of his family is to give allowed? to me. Oh. I'm highly certain it's illegal, but, <laughs> but I it but I got a picture. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. So Tea. yeah, they're all four blonde kids, which makes sense because I was born blonde and mm-hmm. I still say I'm blonde. But you're not. I, <laughs> you're not. I'm I'm at a weird in between, I'll give you that. <laughs> you're in denial right now. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Wow. But, yeah, so and you can see you can see limited resemblance, I think, between me and my birth siblings, parents. Mm-hmm. And yeah. both my adopted sister and I, we both look a lot like our adoptive parents according to most people yeah Wild. and so yeah, our whole family knows everyone knows awesome. and it's been really great for me yeah you found out about this like pretty much right away like they didn't hide it from you were you open about it in school like in elementary school um middle school kind of like you know when they ask you of an icebreaker like a fun fact about yourself would you be like yeah i was adopted oh yeah two truths and a lie like yeah <laughs> Like always, you always win. consistently. <laughs> so you know anyone who had met me before would right. know. So you know I had to be careful right. what group I did that with. Yeah, um, yeah. I probably told anyone and everyone. Okay, I was a very chatty kid. I'm still <laughs> chatty, a um, little bit. I mean, when I, when I'm not around other people who are very chatty, I I'll be chatty. Yeah, I, I was very open about it. I didn't understand it was something that people didn't have contact with when I was young. Yeah. So I first remember like having conversations about it when I was in second grade and the other kids would just be so confused. So they would think my my parents were my step parents and I'd be like, Yeah, no. I feel like cause that's like the normal thing now. Yeah, they'd be like, yeah. they're not your real parents. Like, no, they're my real parents. It's like just, the other yeah. people just gave birth to me. <laughs> these these are my real parents. You know that meme where that lady's trying to explain and then there's the cat like what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just the second grader you. <laughs> yeah, the other second graders just couldn't comprehend like, it. And I couldn't understand why they couldn't get yeah. it yeah because <laughs> it's your normal that's yeah. like that's your normal life you yeah. don't know yeah. anything but that yeah so i had all these crazy like step parents like not your real mom like all these different things the whole story that wow. i i just like brushed past and i was just like kept plowing through and like nope like just yeah. kept sharing <laughs> Um, and my little sister, I never had a problem with people saying stuff about it, you know, but my little sister, she had ended up having someone say something about it, like not her real parents because her real parents didn't want her. And of course, my little sister got to say that like classic, well, my parents like picked me out. You know, Ooh, your yeah. parents just got you. Ooh, my parents picked me. Mic drop. Yeah, I never got the chance to say that. I would I would if <laughs> I yet. I would if I have the chance. Yeah, you should. That's yeah. hurtful. That's crazy. Yeah. Kids can be so cruel. Yeah, yeah. kids are just they're the but they don't but they don't know better. They don't know, you know? social cues. So, they just So you're just like, say. Oh, I'm mad at you, but I can't because it's not your fault. But oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Nice comeback though. That, that, is, a good, that was yeah. a good comeback. Snaps. Yeah. Big snaps. So you knew you were always adopted and then your sister came along and then you got to watch that process as a four-year-old. What did you think about that? Like, were you excited and you were like, 
I'm getting a sister. Yeah, so I don't remember much okay. until after she was like a couple months old. Yeah. The oldest memory I have and I like 100% like this is very distinct in my mind is when my parents told me that they were going to adopt another kid and they hadn't, no one was lined up yet. And so I just remember being told and then being so excited and running outside and sitting outside and just praying that I got a little sister, something I've told my sister I regret since, (laughs) you know, classic, you know, like, 14 year old and 10 year old sister 10 year old and 6 year old sister it's just you know (laughs) sisters are a lot oh yeah Um, no I love her but I so when we got her I just been told I was getting a sister and I was like oh that's normal that's how babies are made I guess <laughs> you just pick like, them out you know like some <laughs> little magazine thing yeah yeah like some kids like they learn really early how babies are made because they're you know like or they know like oh the baby's in mommy's tummy right I like didn't have yeah. any it's like I was just like oh yeah I just adopt one like they're made somehow <laughs> and you know someone else like grows them but you know then we just get them we just we just did the you know the fun stuff that's so did you guys great. have sex education in school not you know for a four-year-old oh well i guess you're right you're right that's yeah. so funny yeah, yeah not until you know upper, upper middle school mm-hmm. and then you're like wait what mom yeah so yeah it was just and like breastfeeding i really didn't know about till i was much older because you, you know at yeah. that time most kids, even with their birth parents, were bottle fed. Yeah. It was just kind true. of the thing. The formula. Yeah. That's a normal right. thing now. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are going back to the breastfeeding, yeah. trying to do more natural, but, you know, formula, formula is a good thing. Yeah. A lot of people, <laughs> even with their biological kids, just can't do it. So, right. It's true. So, you have two siblings and then four siblings. And mm-hmm. so they're. They go to the same school. I, I, I wondered, I want to know if they're like friends and they I don't, don't even know. I don't know if they're the same ages. Okay. I so, mean, I find that so crazy to believe. Like they could be friends. Yeah. Like best friends, like go to birthday mm-hmm. parties, but they don't know that they're kind of they, like they have They the have the same like, sister. Yeah. yeah. Like, wow. That's so mind blowing. Yeah. The oldest one on my birth dad's side is actually, I think he's 14. I know it's a boy. Okay. And he was older when I found out about him. So I think he's like 14. So I'm 18. So that's not that much younger. Yeah. Like he's, four the, years, yeah. you know, the same age as my, as sister. my sister. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. And since I don't have contact with him, I'm sure he's not going to tell his kids. So I'm just waiting for a day when one of them, like when they like find out in a really traumatic way, like you see on TV. <laughs> And if that happens, you're going to be back on the episode. Yeah, and they're going to show up on my doorstep and I'm going to be like, hey, no, like, I'm not this lost sibling. I had my own great life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, it's okay. Like, I'll help you get through it. But like, there, you know, there's nothing I'm missing. Has your birth mother told her kids about like where they're at school and who they're with at all no they just they're just gonna no, keep it all a secret just, just un- probably until they're i want to say at least 16 okay. i feel like she might tell them when they get to the age that they might start having relationships 
because oh, because oh, of her experience yeah she's like so like she's so certain now that you know you're just not ready at that age right. with like a casual boyfriend girlfriend you just don't think about it think yeah. that those things are going to happen to you and then it does and so I kind of feel like she'll probably tell her kids by that point to yeah. help explain to them why she's telling them don't have sex. Yeah. I mean, the truth's going to have to come out eventually. Yeah, eventually right? it's, it's like, going to, you know. I feel like it's if it's like a movie, then by the time that they do find out, it's going to be like, why didn't you tell me before? Yeah. You know, like you waited all this time. Yeah. Well, okay. So this is interesting because my dad like grew up, just had, he was the oldest and then he had one brother. And then all of a sudden, one night, like, he's married at this point, and his mom calls him, and he's like, no, his dad calls him, he's like, hey, you have a sister. And my dad's like, what? And Because, like, he's an adult. And and he's like, you're pregnant, right? Like, that's what you'd think. But no, she, my, my grandma's like, um, no, actually, you have an older sister. And it it was kind of pretty much the same situation as you where like she like he had a different relationship and had this a daughter and then he got married to my grandma and had my dad and my uncle. And so like my dad like meets his long lost sister one day and like and then they got to like finally, you know, mm-hmm. meet each other. So like maybe there's going to be one day where all of a sudden your mom, your birth mom is going to be like, hey, Grace, like. Um, want to come to dinner sometime? Yeah, <laughs> and you're gonna like meet everybody. It'll be kind of wow. kind of cool. Yeah, I, you know, anything could happen. Yeah, I pretty confident that her kids won't be that old when they find out. Right. Um, obvious. She has. I feel like she has three, but it might just be two. <laughs> She's got a couple brothers. Okay. Okay. And I think there's like one older and two younger, maybe. Okay. Definitely one younger. They um, they obviously all knew because I think her youngest brother was maybe like 10, you know, like tween-ish, tween-ish wow, yeah. age when she was pregnant with me. So like they obviously all knew my, her parents, I never know what to call them because I was like grandparents, like yeah. no. So um, her parents still have contact with my parents as in like they send me and my sister very graciously uh-huh. a Christmas present every year it's always addressed just from her mom um, but we always write our thank you cards to both of them and so she'll give me like a hundred dollars plus something oh, every Christmas yeah. <laughs> which I'm like I'll take yes, yes. of course um, I've never actually met them in person other than when I was born in the hospital mm-hmm. um, but so the rest of the like adult family you know yeah. With the exception of spouses that have come in since then, they all know about me. But yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see at what point, if I guess I like actually meet them, and if they've like completely forgotten or it's always kind of been there. They're like, you know, like this person that we're related to. It is a fear of mine though to like start a relationship and then find out I'm related to them. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, my irrational fear. Oh. 
because I know I'm the first grandchild on both sides. Like it would have to be some extended, extended relative. But like my irrational fear is that I'm going to start dating someone and then we'll find out we're related. Because oh, I just don't worst. know. That'd be yeah. so twisted and weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to and decipher that. That's something that's like weird for me because... I've noticed that people who don't know anything about adoption or what it actually looks like think that just because you're not blood related, that someone's not your real family. So like I've read these books where this girl finds out she's adopted. She's like 16 or 17 and like a month later is dating her brother. It's like, that's still your brother. You've grown up with them as your sibling. Right. You would have had those feelings before it's still incest uh, okay so <laughs> that's, that's weird <laughs> yeah okay. and like and the movies and their people find out they're adopted or people find out they have a sibling and it's like this big to do when their family is not their family and they have to do this like search and to find their true family and I just don't think that's how it is. Like your family that raised you, that loves you, like that's your family. That is like your family. you yeah. hear like you choose your family. Well, they chose me and I chose them. And I'll accept my birth relatives as my family also, the more the merrier. Yeah. But you know, I'm very content and blessed where I ended up. That's right. cool. Did you ever meet anyone who was also adopted, but more of like they didn't know their birth parents or yeah. it was more of like maybe international? I met someone at summer camp one year who was also adopted, but she was not given up. She was taken. Um, her birth mom was like a drug addict. So she was taken as a newborn. But because of the situation with why she was taken, she's had a lot of trauma from that. And that can be very rough. And I think that having a willing, open adoption does make a huge difference. Right. I know there's a lot of really, uh, how do you say, corrupt moments in the adoption system, especially international. Yeah. And I know a lot of stories about that and how it's really hard to adopt international now because of the corruptcy and how broken it is, the system and everything. Yeah, some of it's just crazy and it just makes you cry hearing it. Um, I know people who, um, not personally that I know, but like know of people who, um, even who were adopted from America, but aren't white. And when you're white and adopted in America, people like realize or like know that you're adopted from America, even if you weren't, if you're white and look like you're from America, they think you've been adopted within America. Mm-hmm. But if you're not white, people always think that they're adopted from another country, even if they weren't. Yeah. Um, so I have a teacher who has a daughter who was adopted from another country and she is not white and their family is the palest pale family <laughs> ever. And um, she's... And like a sixth grade teacher. And so at me being adopted, not a big deal. None of it's a big deal. You just, you know, hear their stories. But then you hear about um, people who will adopt children from countries like China. And mm-hmm. most of those children are children with mental or physical disabilities mm-hmm. and girls because of the one to and now two yeah. child policy well, where they want a healthy male child. Right. And 
their second child now, they might take a girl, but if it's someone who's not healthy, they're automatically giving them up. Right. They don't keep track of them. If it's a young unwed mother, they might just take the child from her. As well as like countries in Africa. I know that the whole system is so corrupt because slavery is still huge. And I know some stories from like people that I met that want to adopt, but they ended up losing the adoption because they found out that the person they were about to adopt the kid was taken from their families like in a war and they were put into slavery or they were taken because a mom was taken into slavery and then they just sold these kids to an orphanage. Yeah, And then you hear these tragic stories and that's how, Mm -hmm. that's like a big deal. And a lot of people don't know about it. And that's why I'm like, yeah, it's open adoption is so crazy because it's, it's the same program, but it's so different. Yeah, it's it's such a different experience. When it's not a Christian organization Mm -hmm. running it, you know? And the human trafficking side of it, I mean, it's so sad yeah and it's just horrifying and you know sometimes the mothers are willingly giving up their child because they get money and they have other kids or themselves that they need to support yeah it's like you have to sacrifice something that's how and they want to keep their kid but they can't but also they know it'll probably have a good life you know better chances in america um to be a natural american citizen it's it's a complex situation yeah. for you know all but especially international adoption um some of my extended cousins um, my mom's cousins they have three kids all of them are adopted um the the parents are like international missionaries so they all of them are adopted from different places um, their youngest one is the only white child they have. My family is very, very white. <laughs> <laughs> and um, But he was adopted even from a European nation, mm-hmm. and he has a disability, and they're pretty sure that's why he ended up in the orphanage. And you, they can just do a lot more for them here too, which is one of the good things about them. And... You know, those parents that are adopting internationally are probably the parents more willing to take on a child with disabilities and actually have the resources to help them, which is, you know, a good thing. But it's also a bad thing because their own parents were like, we can't deal with that. Mm -hmm. And that's just heartbreaking. So we've already talked about this, but why you are wanting to be a social work, you know, I feel like, yeah, I feel like this whole situation, your story and what's happening in real life, the corrupt system, I feel like that has something to do with what you want to do in the future. Yeah. So um, when I was in high school, it was like trying to figure out exactly what I want to do. I was like, I like kids a lot. I love working with them, but also I run out of energy. fairly quickly the older they are and yeah, so I, I, was, I can't I can't be a teacher I, know a lot about that. I can't run a daycare like infants if I can hold and rock the baby I would do that all day every day yes but once they start running around when I they start to talk that's yeah I just like, can't keep up with them like, stop talking <laughs> yeah. yeah so I um was thinking I was like wow I'm so glad I'm adopted and my birth mom sacrificed so much for me yeah in an upper middle class white family who supported her Mm -hmm. you know like the very best of circumstances for the bad situation 
and she just loved me so much and still does and my parents loved me so much and they wanted kids and so they got kids no matter how it happened I'm their true daughter and they're my real parents yeah and I want that to be possible for other kids Mm -hmm. and I want to reassure the young pregnant women that you know it's not a bad choice and that it's not going to be traumatic necessarily and it's going to be really hard for them but it's probably going to be better in the long run and to just be someone who can support them in that is something that I just started getting really passionate about. In the same way in foster care, those kids have been taken from their parents and I want every single child ever born to be able to get the chance to have a loving, kind, permanent family. That's just so beautiful too, just like that picture. I'm like crying over here, like this is just so emotional (laughs) and I'm just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. First of all, I just want to say I love that you have a good reason for wanting to do social work, not just because like eh, it might be it's just a popular thing to Mm -hmm. do at our university. I definitely am someone who I wouldn't say educated myself this summer, but I definitely knew more about it this summer about the foster system. Yes. And as someone who I worked camp with a lot of kids from all types of backgrounds and the big majority that I worked with were all most of them were foster kids this past summer and I had to sit there and counsel these kids and I got to learn their stories, got to learn where they came from, where they could have been if they didn't go into the foster care system, where they have been and how tragic the stories could be or how bad it can turn. And so that made me be, that made me want to foster kids um, in the future. And that's something that I still want to do. I want to be a foster mom so freaking bad. I really do. And I keep doing my research and each research that I make, like the more I find out, the more I want to do it because Mm -hmm. I know it, it's a really bad system sometimes. And yeah. it really depends on like what program you go into. Like you said, yes. your program was a Christian one and mm-hmm. that helps a lot, but there are some that unfortunately are not. And the yeah. system a lot is of it broken. Is like, yeah. And like the same thing, like these kids are put into the system because their parents can't take care of them or uh, they don't know how. Don't they know didn't how have to. good parents. Either they're, yeah. yeah. They don't know how to do it. They're too young. They're addicted. They are in prison. All of that type of stuff. Like it, it's not the child's fault. But the fact that this child has to be put in the foster care system and moved from place to place, thats it shouldn't be like that, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah, and I've got some foster care facts yeah. if you want to hear Please them. Please share. Yeah, pull them up. Okay, so this is from ifoster.org. And by the way, I plan on being a foster mom. I want 20 billion kids. (laughs) Also same. Yes. And I encourage anyone to become a foster parent. It's going to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. Like being any parent. But there are so many resources yeah. and it's such an important thing. And we just, we really need more of them. That's true. Side yeah. note, I have um, family friends who are fostering. They have this adorable little baby that they are waiting to get permission to adopt. The whole situation is broken. Yeah. And they live in Indianapolis. And in Indianapolis, there are so many kids in the foster system that when a new one enters, they'll probably have to sleep in their caseworker's office before they can find a temporary home, just a place with them to have a bed and to get food. That is how limited the amount of foster parents they have available and how many kids need them. 
That's so crazy because in middle school, I had like this very like I had this best friend, loved her. We were really close and she was a foster kid and she was living in one of the teachers like like one of the teachers that I knew like in her house and that was her foster mom and she had like three other siblings and then all of a sudden right before the end of the year she was getting moved to a different foster home and I don't ever I never found out why but it like broke my heart yeah she just had to keep yeah they had to keep moving and it was just awful yeah and one of the really hard things is siblings siblings in the foster care system that's rarely get to stay together that's right that's like when I learned about that and got to hear Mm -hmm. stories from literally like seven-year-olds telling me like my sister is not with me because she's Nobody like three wants cities to take away and all that. More than one I kid. literally like had to step away and I had to go into the office with my director and cry because yeah. this is real. I'm gonna get emotional. That's now. one of the oh. hard things about finding it's foster so parents. Real and it freaking sucks. Yeah, when you hear it from the kids that you are like taking care of and you love them, even though you just met them. You're like, how could you? You're literally like seven years old and you're going through all of that. It's so stupid. It's so sad and. These, you know, these kids just want someone familiar and they're when they're the younger they are, the more of an essential developmental stage they're in and Mm -hmm. they need some consistency. And sometimes they're getting moved around because, oh, they have an aunt who might be able to take them. We'll move them to the city the aunt lives in. We'll have them near her. We'll do visits while we um, do her background checks and find out if we legally can give them to her or the grandma or, you know, any relative. And so they'll move them around because they're trying to do that because they're trying to return them because that's the goal. Sometimes I don't think that should be the goal. I think the goal should be getting them in a safe place Mm -hmm. that's consistent for them. Of course, we want them to go home. We want the parents to not have problems, but not at the expense of the mental well-being of the child. Right. Right now, this is from ifoster.org, there are approximately 440,000 foster kids in America. Oh my God. That's a lot. That's gone up from 400,000 in 2014, I believe, 13, 14. So it's continuing to rise. Like the amount of kids in the foster system is only going up. 30,000 of them are aging out of the system annually. Wow. So that's 30,000 18 to 21 year olds, depending on the state, who are no longer allowed to either live in their group home right. or their their foster parents kick them out because they've turned 18 and they legally, you know, like they're not in the foster system and then, anymore. Like, they have nowhere to go as well. They like, have nowhere they have to no go. They have no money to go to college oh or anything. They have to find it all on their yeah. own. So um, here's some statistics. 70% of them will be on government assistance. I'm surprised it's not higher and it's probably because they don't know how to apply or can't keep up with the requirements because our welfare systems are broken as well not as broken as the foster care system but very broken um 25 percent of them will have not completed high school less than 12 percent will ever ever in their lifetime get a college degree which is something that is increasingly more important in our society to get any sort of job that can support you Within four years, 50% of them will have had no earnings. Four years, like homeless, no job. They can't get a job. They can't, you know, they can't earn anything. And those who do, the kids who have aged out, 
get a job, their average annual earning, their average annual income is $7,500. Wow. That is less than we spend on room and board here. Their whole year, that's all the income they get. That can't be minimum wage. Yeah. Like, it just can't be. And they're being exploited because they have no resources, no opportunities, nobody taking care of them. And taking care of them wouldn't would actually benefit our country and benefit our economy because all of most of them will be on government assistance their whole lives. The more resources and opportunities they have, the younger they are to, you know, get access to a computer, to learn how to Mm -hmm. use it, to learn how to apply for jobs, to like get their high school education, their GED, to get any sort of trade school or training. When they have that opportunity, when someone teaches them how to find, how to, you know, navigate the government resources or their community resources, the less likely they'll be to need the government assistance and the less money the government will have spent on them in their lifetime. And the more money they're putting back into the economy too. Um, So it's just, it's a lot. Um, Another statistic is only 5% of rural foster youth and 21% of urban foster youth report access to a computer at home. So that's like any age, like that's, you know, no laptop or smartphone with voice text data or a hotspot. Like maybe they'll get a phone that maybe they can make calls and like message people on. Maybe they can use the computer at school. Maybe they have a computer class. Yeah. They really don't have anyone looking out for them. They're ma- they're getting meals. Yeah. Hopefully a place to sleep. Yeah. When they're that old, nobody wants to adopt them. No when you know when they're at college, if they get a chance to go to college, if they graduated high school, if they can afford college, even with the amount of government um aid they would get, like what are they going to do on breaks when they're kicked out? Like you can't rent an apartment for a couple months. They, you know, even if they get an on-campus job, like they can't, Mm -hmm. it's not a full-time job. They are just at a loss for anything. 50% of them being homeless for the first four years, 18 to 21 year olds, because nobody cares enough because, oh, they're almost adults. We don't want to raise a teenager for a couple years because... Teenagers are difficult enough as it is. Yeah. And people just need to show more love. Um, I have a couple at my church who adopted a 17-year-old, and he's a part of their family, and they have yeah. two young kids, and he's not a delinquent. He, I'm sure he's had problems like everyone else as a teenager, but he's a very, very polite kid. Yeah. I, he, I say kid, he's older than me. <laughs> um, he got a home Yeah. right before he was an adult, and too many of them don't just because of their age and the wow. older they get the more likely they are to just be in some sort of group home um because a lot of people just give up on them at that point that's so heartbreaking and sad and just a little bit of a shout out to this um website that i'm finding this stuff on <laughs> it's i foster and they also have job programs where they help these kids get their GEDs and train them to find employment and it's helped a lot so far That's and good. we need more things like that and it's yeah. um it's a nonprofit so it's not you know a government agency and it's doing the things that we need the changes that we need to be able to empower these kids yeah right That's and so i also important. think 
that, I mean, you don't have to get fully involved. A big important thing that you, I think that people should know is just be aware, you know, just Uh, like be aware of what's happening around mm -hmm. you. Just people who are, I don't know, they know about it, but they don't, they're not willing to learn. They're not willing to listen. They're not willing to understand. Education is huge. It really is. Like you just want to be woke about this. You want to be understanding Mm -hmm. about like what is happening in the world? What is you don't know, like you, like I said, it, sometimes you don't even find out that you have a friend who might be fostered. Maybe you don't know that. You mm-hmm. don't know what they've been going through. You don't know what the person you just met has gone through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like for me, it literally breaked my heart because I didn't know about all of all of that. I just knew that, yeah, the foster system is broken, but I didn't know how it could impact yeah. me, even though I have right. nothing to do with these kids that I worked with. Like now I, it literally changed my life this whole summer because of mm-hmm. the stories that you hear because you realize it's real it's not yes. something i read online it's something that somebody told me that they just gone through and the fact that you read online about these lives that people are not being able to go to college are homeless barely have like the technology that they mm-hmm. need to keep going like that's real not having sex education exactly yeah. like furthering the and it's problem. not their fault right. it's not like they have no resources they have no you know n- not an adequate education for how to live life. So they'll have kids who will then likely end up in the foster system and the cycle just repeats and there are easy ways to help them and to just share your resources. Um, You know, if you're a college student and you find out about one of your friends who aged out of the system, um, you know, ask them if they have plans for break, if they have somewhere they're going, especially Christmas and spring break and summer break. Those are the big ones. Yeah. Invite them home with you. Like yeah. have a friend over, you know, make sure your parents are okay with it first. <laughs> but, you know, just like let them know that you're there for them and they don't have to worry about those basic needs. Right. Yeah. Do you know how likely it is or like what the percentages is of like, kids like going into foster care and then coming back to their actual families permanency for children in care this is from nacac.org so the north american council on adoptable children so adoptable is what they call the kids in foster care who can be adopted yeah um most of them can't and it takes several years for them to be deemed adoptable so my family friends who have their little baby, he's almost two, I want to say, an infant, one mm-hmm. and two, that range. Yeah. Um, he's been with them for a year and a half, almost two years. No, no, then he would be, he's over two. Okay. So their little baby, he's two. He's been with them for over a year, which is a really long time, especially for a kid that age, not moved around. And his parents still haven't lost their custody of him even though they don't have jobs and vehicles or driver's license or really can't speak English Mm. and they're um, citizens and they're I don't know if they or their parents were born in Burma there's a large Burmese population in Indianapolis and their cousins Mm-hmm. And so all of the kids, they, um, they're the baby, and then he has two older siblings. They all have extensive health problems. The parents don't know how and can't provide for them. When they got taken, when the little baby and his older siblings, but it was primarily him, got taken from the parents, he was in the hospital with pneumonia 
at less than a year because they all shared a bed and the doctor thinks someone rolled onto him. And when they visited the house, when the social workers went to the house, they had no food. The mom can't cook. She's not allowed to cook. She's has no independent rights or mental capabilities, honestly. And there was poop everywhere. Wow. And so he's this sick little boy. His parents don't know when they do visits, they don't change his diaper and he'll be there for several hours. And they're just finally getting to the point where the court is saying like, this is it. But he's, and um, our family friends have said, yes, we're adopting him. And then there's another family who's adopting the other two and they're going to stay in contact. So let them be siblings, Mm -hmm. which is great. That's very rare. Yeah. And, but it's been over a year and they're still not terminating the parents' rights and letting them be available for adoption, which would also decrease the number of kids in foster care if they would let these kids that they know aren't going back to their parents be put up for adoption. Wow. So uh, this website says that... Um, the num- for the number of adoptions from foster care was almost 60,000 in 2017. There were 24% of the children who exited care left to adoption. Um, and the adoption age is really low. No, nobody adopts the older kids. 51% of the kids adopted are adopted by their foster parents, 35% by their relatives, and then 14% by other people, you know, people who just want to adopt a kid. Yeah. And um, almost 50% of the kids who left foster care were reunited with their birth parents. So there's really not a lot of kids in foster care who are actually being available, put available for adoption and actually adopted or returned to their parents. They're just kind of sitting there waiting. Yeah. It's different when you, when you experience it firsthand, like not personally experience it, but when you get to talk to people about it and you, you listen to real things and I don't know, it's definitely like it hits you Mm because you feel guilty even though it's not your fault, even though it's not their fault. You just feel guilty that this is happening in your town. This is happening in America. And this is only America. Like we are, we are first world country over here. Imagine literally the rest of the world. Yeah. We can do Mm -hmm. something about this. And like, I really hope that this podcast opens people's like hearts and minds to like foster care and adoption and that more and people, more people learn about it and, take action and like actually do something about it. I really hope that this influences people. Grace, that was awesome. Yeah. You're awesome. You're so cool. Glad you guys learned something. Yeah. <laughs> this was a very educational podcast and I cried. So that's cool. <laughs> so I really hope that you all who are listening enjoyed this entire content thing um we learned a lot and uh hopefully your eyes are open and you're able to learn more about it and be more aware of everything that's going on you know so yeah if you want to hear more um stories on life and life-changing stuff even some comedy stuff check out 
perfectly not normal <laughs> and we're also on social media we are on facebook and instagram so please go give us a follow and check us out we have a lot of awesome <laughs> stories lined up and a lot of awesome stories that we've already recorded so go ahead and check all of them out if you want pick the one that you think would look really interesting um so yeah Thank you so much for listening to this really, amazing yeah. episode of Perfectly Not Normal. It was literally so life-changing for me, and I hope it was for you, too. So we're going to say bye for now. Bye for now. Bye.